Welcome to Launch Left, a podcast, a label, a launchpad for left-of-center artists. My name is Rain Phoenix. Please rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials at Launch Left. And welcome to the show, Azure Ray. Well, welcome to the show. It's really great to have you both here. Maria, you came on the show in 2019 and launched uh, Louis Schifano, which was a great episode. And Arenda, we've been waiting to get Azure Ray back. And what an opportune, beautiful time. You guys just celebrated 20 years since your first release with a new vinyl. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> 20 years. 20 years. New, new vinyl of an old record. Yeah. It was never but, a vinyl. So this is the right. Very- yeah. This record was with Eric Bachman and Brian Causey and his label. Well, this was a, a seminal record, I think, for a lot of people in indie music and, and one that's super moving. And I know that it came out of tragedy, which it always does, I think. Sometimes the most beautiful pieces of art do. Can you share a little bit? Do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit, like how you came to make that record together and why? Yeah, we, I mean, we were in a band called Little Red Rocket and it was a fun, you know, we would play the 40 watt and just, just get drunk and just have fun. And then, um, we played in Atlanta, we were coming back and my boyfriend at the time passed away, uh, a drug overdose in the van with us. That was just the end of Little Red Rocket. We didn't want to play those songs, you know, like life had a new, we had a new perspective on everything and we couldn't go back to the way we were, everything was different. And we were writing these songs. I moved in with Arenda immediately. And um, yeah, we just started writing these songs as therapy. And then we played a memorial show for him and Brian Causey came up to us and just said, you know, these are beautiful songs. I, you know, I think people would benefit from hearing them. Would you want to release them on my label? And we said, sure. We no forethought was really given to any of it. I mean, and we, we knew that we couldn't um, play in Little Red Rocket anymore. And that was really painful because, you know, we had also shared that experience with our bass player and drummer, Jackie and Scott. But um, but it wasn't, we, we just couldn't do it. We couldn't play the songs. We couldn't, you know, we were so outside of the grief. We, I think we were, you know, severely traumatized too. And so we knew that we couldn't continue so we actually, you know, we had one last Little Red Rocket show kind of to say goodbye to that chapter of our lives. And, um, you know, kind of in the whole, like what was missing from that, we just started recording the songs that would become Azure Ray, mostly um, just to keep, I think, to, yeah, as a cathartic exercise, but also we were, um, had a memorial show planned for Peter and we were going to play those shows or we played those songs at the memorial show. So we kind of basically wrote those for that. Wow. And that's when Brian Causey saw that show and, and said, you know, you should really think about putting this out on a record. So, yeah, we at every stage of it was completely um, kind of, yeah, unplanned, impulsive, somewhat the universe just kind of moved it along into some kind of cohesive project, which was became Azure Ray. I kind of think in some weird way, and Maria, tell me if you had a completely different experience, but like making that first record and then the surprise of it, of the following we got, um, almost kind of stuck us in a state of suspended animation in our grief. 
um, because all of a sudden now that was what we were known for, you know? And so like, we, we kind of just kept rolling with it and we, and, and, and we kept, we stayed in the space, I think for a long time artistically because of the success of the record. And it just became a part of us in some interesting way. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Did it really feel like it kept you submerged? Like, did you have to break free of Azure to like have fun again musically? Or was it fun even though it was kind of dark music? I think it was fun because we just, we, and we love making music and making music together. And it just felt so good. But I think every record, it was almost like finding, like grieving everything, you know, finding the sad things everywhere. And we never focused on that. Our music was fun, pop music. So that it just changed. Like there's so much sadness and there's so much grief. And so um, we kind of like, is that, I mean, is that sort of what you meant, Arinda? And then we. Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. It's like, so it wasn't, uh, you know, all about Peter the whole time. It kind of became like what happened, I think changed us and, and we saw the world in a different way and we experienced things differently. I think it just kind of opened up a sense of, uh, yeah, I don't know, like not compassion necessarily, but an ability to feel those emotions really strongly and, and be able to set them to music and lyrics. But ironically, as far I mean, we had, we never not had fun. We are. That kept us, kept, you know, like that's where we put it. We put all this into our music so that we could be like funny goofballs together you know we I remember mm-hmm. like touring back in the day you know where our shows would be so sad and you know everyone would be sitting on the floor you could hear a pin drop and you know half the crowd is crying and you know we walk off the stage and then we party with the bartenders all night long <laughs> and they just were always like well who well, I'm just so confused you know like, <laughs> but we, yeah we it, we never um there was a separation, I feel like, between our personal life and the, kind of what we did with the art. I would love to know how music found both of you initially. I lived in a tiny little town in Alabama called Asheville, Alabama. There's a population 1,500. And I knew I wanted to get out, um, out about the Alabama School of Fine Arts in Birmingham. Encouraged me to audition um, to go there as a theater major and I got in. And so I started um, commuting from this small town to, to Birmingham, which is about an hour drive. And and uh, when I would come back at, from school, so, I, so basically I lost all my friends, you know, in the small town and I couldn't really stay connected with my new friends because at that point, because I'm so old, uh, there were no cell phones and everything was long distance. <laughs> so like I couldn't call my, you know, my friends, my new friends and my old friends kind of felt like I had abandoned them a little bit. And it was hard to, I don't know, it's hard to relate to them so so much, you know, with a whole new set of life at that age. So it was very lonely. And, and, um, and I would just come home from school every day and not really have, you know, anyone, any friends. So my mom bought a guitar from a friend of hers, this really old, kind of no-name, untunable guitar and gave it to me as a gift. And I just sat in my room and started learning how to play it. And um, that's basically it. And that kind of led me to Maria because at school, she saw me playing around on a friend's guitar and came up and asked me if I wanted to start a band. I think the same year. Like, so I, I did, I mean, I could barely play. I knew like three chords that I was like, you know, my hands weren't even like really forming them right. 
but we wrote so many songs with those three chords. Yeah. <laughs> and then Maria. My dad is a musician and that's what when I grew up. He was in bands. And so, you know, when I was like three and four, I was going to sound checks at bars and, um, and then when my mom was a school teacher, so when she would go to work, my dad would just set up a microphone and play. I mean, that's just, that was, that's been my whole life. So before I could even really talk, I was just singing songs and making up songs. Um, so I also was a ballet dancer for a while and I kind of thought I couldn't tell what I wanted to do between the two, but then it became obvious um, that, I don't know, playing music was more fun. Definitely not as hard on your body as ballet dancing. Yeah. And then I saw Lorenda and I don't even know. I mean, we weren't in the same group of friends and I barely knew her and I don't know what possessed me. I mean, I knew tons of musicians, you know, there was a whole music department and I had friends and I never asked any of them. Yeah. I just <laughs> came up to her and I was just like, do you want to be in a band? And she said, yes. And then she said, I only know three chords. I was like, that's great. That's all we need, you know? And then. Wasn't that the lyric? What? Three chords in the truth, isn't that the U2 lyric or something like that? Oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. And my parents were going out of town um, the following weekend. And so I was like, well, why don't you come over? My parents are going out of town. And we raided the liquor and, you know, wrote our first song about this band called Follow for, Follow for Now. So, yeah, Follow for Now. Yeah. Were you fans of Follow for Now? Yeah, we had crushes on them. Okay. We kind of dated one of them. Whoa. It was, yeah, we were very young. We snuck snuck out of the window and went to one of their shows, had fake IDs to get in. And then, yeah, Renda, you kind of dated. My parents will never, never, never see this. (laughs) Yeah, you're, you're fine when it comes to that. I'm sure they won't. Um, Wow. God, that makes me want to talk about the nostalgia of like pre-cell phone, sneak out of window, go to show what it was like to be a teenager in the nineties versus now is so different. I mean, obviously versus now just the technology piece has changed so much the way that we socialize. Um, everything seemed to be so much more in the flesh in the nineties. Like that's why you snuck out of your room. Now you don't even need to, you just you sneak out with your phone. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. You know what I mean? There's not that like, but we had to physically like go find trouble just going to see music and playing shit. I mean, just like people not having their phones. I mean, they just like, I, I'm guilty of it now. You know, I'm like trying to take pictures at shows and I'm like, you just were in the moment in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, I don't know. I feel like every experience was really experienced then. And now I feel like, I don't know how much people are really experiencing and how much they're thinking about what you, they're going to post you or, you know, wasn't like we were then when you have a phone in your hand, constantly talking to other people and and get you know whether it's through text or social media and taking pictures of yourself and videos and posting them and then responding and not and, and even like who you're with you know like you can be texting them from across the other room it's like it, it just I feel like everyone's it, it's really hard to re- remain present and, and even like I remember we played that show with Z Berg and um like uh, Jackson Brown was playing and Arenda and I were just like, Oh, I love this song. And, you know, instead of just putting my fucking phone down and just like watching it, I'm videotaping it cause I want to like show my mom, you know, but it's still, it's just so my intentions were good, but I, I didn't really experience it. 
I would have mm-hmm. probably been crying if I had just put my phone down. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, for the, for those of us who lived through different times like that, like pre cell phone versus now, you know, smartphones, we're probably the ones who most notice all of that, the difference, right? Or like, oh, I remember I used to be more present. But if you're raised in smartphone era, like you know nothing different. So it's not it's not something that you miss. Right. You're not nostalgic for I think we're kind of can be we're in that age group that can be nostalgic for a time when it didn't matter. It wasn't about the amount of likes or, you know, what you post or anything. That, that wasn't even a part of the conversation. It was literally, is the music good? Is it going to keep me here longer than one drink? But what I've found kind of that I've had to accept is that you can't be a band or an artist or a brand or anything without connecting it to social media because all the platforms identify you based on you have social media. You can't get verified without being in social media. So basically you can never really be considered, you know, of course you can do it. You can decide my principles are that I'll only ever make vinyl and I'll never have so, you know, of course you can do that, but you won't be considered in the same (laughs) My husband, you know, he runs the label because we're putting it out on Flower Moon Records. And I was just like, okay, I have an idea. Like, let's first, we'll release a single like every month and we won't put it out on any of the streaming sites. So people have to buy it, you know? And Ryan's just like, no, like you're gonna, like all these people aren't gonna hear it. Like you want people to hear it, right? I'm like, yeah, but I also want to pay the bills, you know? It's just not the same anymore. People don't, they don't want to buy it. They're not going to. It's all about the streaming. I don't know. Yeah. That's still stuck in the old-fashioned ways when it comes to that and I'm, I need to just let go stop being upset about it nothing we can do where did we go huh the, I think we, we would be the last generation right that knew that knows both that knew the old way and knows the new way there won't be another generation yeah that didn't, right that didn't so they'll just they'll be happy that people are paying 0.001 cent and it's just the art of, you know, like we're finishing this record and we're sequencing it. And it's just, you take so much time to make this piece, this whole piece. And I'm like, no one is going to hear it in this order. You know, they're just not. And right. I'm guilty of that too. I like right. buy certain singles and put them in my own playlists. And, but um, I don't know. I do miss the art of that. Just sitting down and listening to a record from the start to the finish and be taken somewhere and like really like experiencing what the artist wanted you to experience it's um that doesn't happen much so when is this record coming out do you have a street date yet it's going to be mastered on tuesday and then we're immediately going to just send it to the vinyl uh place and just see how soon they can get it back and then we'll come up with a a release date yeah you you guys are definitely one of those bands that i feel like did it like it like it like we said back back when it was a little different obviously but you did it so gracefully and i love seeing that now in modern times like you're able to continue that azure legacy as i like to think of it and do it you know do it in modern times really well too because i think how you i love that you issued a vinyl for your first project that had never had vinyl you know like the that's so Awesome. Now someone can have a vinyl for something that maybe really moved them like myself back all the way in the nineties, <laughs> back before cell phones really made it. I know my kids always say like, they'll say things like, well, 
were there cars when you were young? I'm like, yes, there were cars. <laughs> Like, you know, ancient Rome. <laughs> Remember Garmin? Remember how crazy those were? Like the um, the GPS in the cars that were just oh yeah, you yeah. into the lighter. Yeah, that so like that. and that before crazy. that, we just printed out all the map quests. We go on tour with the whole thing map quests because there we yep. GPS. And before all. that, there was Atlas. the Atlas. Yeah, yeah, that giant book that was like. Arendelle will be like slowing down, you know, like, okay, where do I go left or right? I can't go any slower, you know, we're on the interstate. And I'm like flipping through, like trying to like, okay, go that way. <laughs> I know. It's so cool. Such an adventure. I know. Now it's like you just take it for granted, you know, just put the thing in ways and just don't even think about it. Half the time I'm like, did I drive here? You don't even have to anymore. Have, if you get a Tesla, yeah, I've heard you can just go on autopilot. I know it's really wild. We, I feel like we're totally rehashing. We're like, oh, oh, we're definitely acting like crones right now, just rehashing the good old days. But I love, I love that because it really, we really have lived through some of the gigantic technological changes in this thirty years. You know, not to mention the transition in our country, like. Even nine, you know, when nine eleven happened, that was like the beginning of the end of that sort of eighties excess. Ignore all the pain and suffering we cause as a nation, and just think of ourselves as a superpower. I'm so grateful in many ways for where we are now in terms of just the wake up call that's been happening in the past five years. Maybe it was good that all this happened with Trump because it made it very obvious to all of yeah. us, you know, yeah. and yeah. Maybe the change wouldn't really happen without that. Yeah. It was kind of like, we all got educated, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that we should have been educated. The way you describe it is, it's very accurate. You know, the eighties and the nineties back then you saw what was in front of your face. Yeah. Yeah. We're attracted towards decent people doing the right thing. And you didn't, yeah, you, you weren't, you know, constantly informed by everything that's happening all over the world at one time. Right. So it was very easy to ignore it because you weren't actually exposed to it unless you were the person directly experiencing that pain or that hurt or that injustice. And mm-hmm. even they didn't know about that other's pain and hurt and injustice. So I think it's been a, a major shift on so many levels. And that part I do think has, has to do a lot um, with social media. In like the growing inequity, I think, of the economy. Also, just the education system. And even for me, who, you know, I had really progressive parents and I was homeschooled. So what we learned about the Americas and America and what we learned about the civil rights movement and civil rights era and what was kind of like buttoned up and done and dusted, like we did it, we're free, everyone's free. Don't look any further than that. Like, that's the kind of things we learned, right? So, like, through, like, the education around that was so not available uh, unless you were digging, unless you, you know, went to school to study that. But you're right. My kids already know. I mean, they've already, you know, held signs and we've taken them to so many of these, like, protests and they they get it. They're young, but they understand. And their school is teaching them. And I think that... um yeah, they know more about what's really going on than I did when I when we were making this record, probably. 
and they're, you know, five and eight. So it's, it's going to get better. And I digress into deep conversations about, you know, social change, but that's my favorite place to be. So I I apologize. (laughs) I know we, we moved away from music, but it's all related, right? I 100% agree with like, no, it's it's definitely not a time to be like, we did it, but I did see this um, tweet. I don't know. It it reminded me of why we are at least collectively taking a sigh of relief. Um, But it, it said something like, you know, everyone should, should kind of really take stock at this moment because most countries that once an authoritarian dictator style leader gets elected, they don't leave, they stay. And I thought that was like, I don't know, it just Mm. kind of gave me chills. Like it, it came so close. I mean, it happened, but at least knock on wood for now, we were like, no, you know, this isn't the direction. And, yeah. you know, it, and I do, th- it, it seemed like the whole like capital insurrection, that kind of not, I wouldn't say had to happen, but it doesn't surprise me that it happened because, you know, the, the, like she's saying, historically, the, that motion would have kept going, but we right. kind of ripped it back. Mm. So we're kind of like, you know, no, that's not where we want our, our, our history to move forward. And, and so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time now to kind of like read, you know, for America as a country to get its footing. Well, I'm going to, this is a good way to finish out just asking about like what you all as a band, what has been your uh, main point of activism for Azure? I wouldn't claim myself to be an activist. And, and, and I don't know about Maria, but, but as a duo, I wouldn't say we're, you know, a, an activist band. But I, but I think that we try to live our lives in a way that um, is in line with um, that spirit. Thanks so much for coming on and spending time with me here on Launch Left. Hi, we're Azure Ray. And this song is called Sleep. Good.
Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields.